Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in with us today on our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our podcasts are brought to you by the Military Child Education Coalition, whose work is focused on ensuring quality educational opportunities for all military-connected children affected by mobility, family separation, deployments, and transition. Here at the MSEC, we want to ensure that every military child is college, workforce, and life-ready. In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. Welcome, everyone, to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. My name is Helen Mowers, and I'm the Instructional System Design Manager at the Military Child Education Coalition. I'm joined here today with Dr. Becky Porter, the President and CEO of the Military Child Education Coalition. Thank you, Becky, for taking the time to visit with us today about the Milk Kids Now 2020 survey report. I'm thrilled to be here, Helen. Thank you. The survey was open to military-connected students who are 13 and older, military-connected parents, and the professionals who support them. There were around 80 multiple-choice and open-ended questions, and the survey was open from February through May of this year and had over 5,000 respondents. Of those 5,000, more than 3,800 were parents, 854 were professionals, and 454 were students. These respondents were from all over the world, with 21 countries represented. We also had representation from the Army, Air Force, Navy, Marine Corps, and Coast Guard. We're really excited to have that many voices all in one survey. So Becky, I know in our podcast, when we shared about the survey, you talked about the purpose of the survey and how MSEC really wanted to hear the voices of the military connected kids, parents, and professionals that we serve. This was a major project for MSEC and for you to tackle as the relatively new CEO of MSEC at the time. So why was it so important to capture the voices of those students, parents, and professionals? Thanks for asking that question, Helen. I agree with you that it was a major undertaking in the first year that I came to MSEC. And really, though, I I felt like it was important for us to do because MSEC is, is grounded in research. We care about our programs and our content being relevant and grounded in rigorous, rigorous research. And so I wanted to make sure that what we're doing right now and what we're doing going forward really does address the needs as seen by those students, their parents, and the educators who serve them. I think that's wonderful. So Becky, as we look at the survey results, we kind of divided them into two big pockets. We looked at academic challenges and we looked at social emotional challenges. What would you say were sort of the key academic findings from the survey? Well, you know, when we looked at like the top three academic findings, we found that addressing variations in state standards really, really stood out, as did students feeling like they were unprepared for curriculum differences. But one thing that really jumped out at me was the fact that moving mid-school year um, seemed to be a big academic concern, not only for parents and students, but for the educators as well. And I think that's especially important right now during COVID because, um, as many of our listeners probably know, the Department of Defense kind of put a hold on PCSs for a while, and that just resulted in lots of folks, maybe not PCSing in the middle of the year, but later than they ordinarily would. And and that's incredibly disruptive completely understandable that the Department of Defense did that, but for those students, it it can cause additional challenges. 
I think some other things that we saw in this survey had to do with some of the curriculum gaps or differences between one school system and another. And of course, special education concerns. There are more students who require special education proportionately speaking, in the military than in the civilian sector. And the challenges that they face are even greater because even after they go through the process of establishing an IEP or 504 plan, then they have to move again. And so those kinds of special education concerns where they're repeatedly being evaluated and reevaluated for their needs is especially challenging. Ricky, it was interesting that you mentioned the impact of COVID on um, maybe some of the responses that we got, but also one of the trends that we saw with our survey responses was an increased interest in homeschooling. Do you want to speak to that? Yes, Helen, I think I, that's a really good point. And I think there's a lot to unpack there. There are some things that we really need to understand both about the survey and about what we mean when we say homeschooling. So. You may have mentioned it earlier, and, and some of the listeners may know that the time period during which we collected data began in February before COVID really started to impact our lives and our school situations the way it, it has. And then the period continued through May or into May, during which some people were already there, their brick and mortar schools were already closed, they were trying to do virtual learning. And so I really think that what we see with regard to homeschooling in this survey is more representative of what we think of as traditional homeschooling or what we thought of as homeschooling before. So that's one thing I think we need to keep in mind is that these data were really gathered in the midst of COVID impacting things. The other thing though about homeschooling is it's really important to distinguish what we mean when we say homeschooling. Homeschooling has been happening for a long, long time where families decide that for the needs of their kids, it's better for them to be learning in a home environment rather than in a public school or a private school. And there are curricula that those families use. There are ways that those families contribute to each other and have like co-ops for their, for their students. That's homeschooling. What we're seeing with COVID is really more like virtual learning or hybrid environments. And you still have teachers from the school who are providing instruction in varying venues for, for those students. And so I think it's important to really make sure that we capture the difference between homeschooling and virtual learning that a lot of our kids are going through right now. So with that said, I think to go back to your question about the homeschooling and what we saw in our survey, military families are more likely to be using homeschooling for their children than their civilian counterparts. And there could be lots of reasons for that. We've seen that some families just really prefer to homeschool their children because they are in control of the curriculum. They are in control of what happens during a PCS and can easily translate what they did where they were before to what they're doing right now, if that makes sense. 
I think another reason that that military families tend to use homeschooling has to do with the lifestyle around deployments. And sometimes uh, if you've got a service member who's deployed and then they get, let's say they get a, a two-week R&R to come home during, in the middle of their deployment, the family likes to have the flexibility to be able to stop school for that time period without the child falling behind in their academics. So, I mean, those are just a couple of examples of why military families may, in some instances, prefer homeschooling or why we see a greater preponderance of them using homeschooling at this time. My guess is that with COVID, some of them are finding that you know what, I, I think I can take this on at home and may transition to actual homeschooling as opposed to sending their kids back to school once they can. Thank you, Becky. I think we're going to find that 2020 really is a disruptive year and that all of our traditional ideas of learning and schooling and what that means is going to be turned on its head. And so um, it's definitely an impactful finding that we'll have to dig into a little bit deeper. So when things get turned on their head, it can be destructive or it can present opportunities. And I think there are some opportunities presented here that can help us meet the needs of military-connected students. When we were looking at the, the academic findings from the Mill Kids Now survey, um, one of the students who responded said something just really struck me and that it was an Air Force student who said, I am not a victim. I just want a level playing field when I transfer in. And, and I think so many, not only do students want that, but their parents want that for them as well. And I think that things being turned on their head during this year can really provide us with an opportunity to try to level that playing field for those students. Absolutely, that's a great way to look at that. Thank you, Becky. So it's kind of hard to separate, I think, the academic and the social-emotional. There's so much crossover and um, one leads into the other. But, you know, what were some of the biggest challenges that were shared by um, our respondents about the social-emotional impact of being in the military? Thanks for asking that question, Helen. Again, like you said, it's it's hard to separate them out. And the way that I kind of think of the academic needs and the social-emotional needs interacting is that if a student isn't having their social-emotional needs met in a productive way, then it's really hard for them to take advantage of whatever educational opportunities are presented to them. Uh, and, and along these lines, then, what military-connected students told us in the survey is that their top concern from a, from a social emotional standpoint was making friends. And imagine trying to do that in a COVID environment where you can't go around and knock on doors and see who's there, who, who's your age, or go to class and make new friends. So I think that's a significant one, uh, especially in these times. They also talked about, and this is very closely related, I think, of feeling accepted or fitting in with their school and the local culture. You know, if you think about, especially for adolescents, fitting in is key to getting through those teenage years. And I think that this survey really highlights for us how we need to be looking at that and putting in place opportunities for them to feel accepted and like they can fit in. I think those are great points. And I think, um, especially as teachers try to navigate 
what this new schooling looks like with students who are remote, students who are face-to-face. -face. I'm hoping that some of the strategies that they're picking up will also help our military connected students because it's all about making that personal connection and it's about uh, forming relationships when you're not able to be face-to-face -face all the time. And so how do we welcome these students? How do we help them fit in? What can we do ahead of time to really give them a leg up so that they're not behind when they come into the school? So I think maybe there's a little more overlap with the COVID impact <laughs> than, than we previously thought. Yeah, I think if we had the ability to collect data again, but you know, maybe the same data uh, six months later, what we would find is that a lot of these concerns and a lot of these findings are exacerbated by the current situation. Absolutely. I know that building self-confidence was another concern that was shared by students and uh, parents and professionals. What are some ways that we could kind of help our military-connected students with that? The challenge with building self-confidence has to do with giving students an opportunity and experiences in which they can gain mastery over a situation or a skill. And, and that's kind of difficult right now, again, related to COVID. But I think that the other thing we could do, even in this virtual environment, is encourage them to participate, even if it's virtually in things like school clubs or you know if their school has a student to student program being able to engage with other students their own age engage with supportive adults who can encourage them and provide them with opportunities to gain that mastery and and thereby build self-confidence that's great thank you becky i know that one of the quotes that really stood out for me was from a navy student who said, sure, I have lots of stories of my fun exotic travels, but it all has a price. I've attended four different schools in the past four years and it's not easy. In fact, it's pretty exhausting. I might seem a little cold, but it's only because I've learned that you never know when you might have to move and suddenly say goodbye to your friends. I know it's hard to do so, but if my peers were just a little more open and accepting, transitioning to a new school would be so much easier. And I love that you mentioned the S2S clubs because I think that's a great way that we can help those students as they transition in and out of schools um, to, to ease that um, emotional burden. Because I think our, our kids are resilient and they're strong and they probably hide more from us than we want to admit, but the, the impact is still there. Absolutely. You're so right, Helen. So Becky, I think we could probably talk for hours on all of the different pieces that we found in the survey, but how do you envision this report will impact the lives of military connected students, their families, and the professionals that support them? Well, I think the, the key thing is that this survey and the resulting report really can deepen our understanding of the issues that continue to challenge military connected students and their families. I mean, it gives us a peek into not only what the challenges are, but looking at it from the student's perspective, the parent's perspective, and the educator's perspective. The other thing that we'll do is use these key findings uh, at MSEC to be able to develop support content and programming to address those needs and challenges that were identified. I think related to this is the ongoing Purple Star School designation program for which MSEC is the national advocate. And the Purple Star Schools designation program is a grassroots initiative that actually started in Ohio when a superintendent there wanted to identify some criteria by which he could assess 
the schools in his district as being military friendly and then designate them as such so that military families coming into the area would know, okay, these are the schools that are military friendly and we want to send our kids there. The Purple Star Schools designation program varies by state, but some general criteria that they're using to designate these programs really do speak to some of the needs that we've identified in the survey. For example, a lot of the states who are doing this, and right now there are only 10 states that are doing it, but we're hoping that that expands, but they will require schools that want to have a a Purple Star school designation as having uh, something on their website that is specifically geared for military families and military students coming in to get resources. They might also do something like require that their educators, their teachers, their counselors receive special education and training on the needs of military-connected students. They might also uh, require the school to do something like having a a liaison who's on staff at the school, so different from a school liaison officer, but a liaison who's at the school who is available to help transition in military students and also provide information on the needs of military-connected students. And the final criterion that is really kind of in common among the states that are doing this has to do with at like an ambassador program for students. So a club like like the student to student program that MSEC uh, has, um, but it could be it could be any club that is a student ambassador to help welcome those new students and transition them, especially around the social emotional issues uh, into a new school. That's great, Becky. The Purple Star Schools designation program is such an important initiative. Um, I think it will really serve as a beacon for our military families and just an essential way for schools to create a culture of support for their military-connected kids. And I can't help but think that that's going to bleed over to support all of the students that go to that school. So it's a great way for schools to address these needs. So thinking ahead, um, what what are our plans uh, for the future of the Mill Kids Now survey? We've really found this information to be incredibly useful, and we want to use it to develop our content going forward. But I think we have to also consider that the year 2020 is a perfect example of the dynamic environment in which we live. And so I think what we need to do is plan that this is going to be a biennial effort. We will gather this data every couple of years to make sure that we're able to continue to meet the current needs and stay relevant for those military-connected students. The biggest thing, I think, is that this has provided us an opportunity to hear their voices, and I can't overstate the importance of that. MSEC started 22 years ago to meet the needs of military-connected students, and our tagline or our, our slogan or tagline over those years has been, for the sake of the child, and hearing their voices through something like our survey, really does speak to getting after that. Thank you, Becky. It it has been powerful going through their responses. We really want to thank you for your time today. I know that we're hopeful that this information will be just as valuable to others as it is for us. And if anyone wants to review the report, they'll be able to find it on our website, militarychild.org slash MSEC survey, M-C-E-C-S-U-R-V-E-Y. The survey report will be posted there, and uh, we've got an email address in case there's any questions that anyone has about it. So, Becky, do you have anything else that you'd like to share with us today? 
Helen, I want to thank you for the opportunity to talk about this. I think you're right. We could go on and on. The main thing, though, is I want to thank all of the MSEC supporters who spread the word about the survey and the more than 5,000 students, parents, and professionals who shared their voices. We really do look forward to continuing to serve by supporting the educational journey of our mill kids. I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.